All right. Welcome back, folks. We've got another episode of Family Friendly Fort Lauderdale. This is our podcast where we're talking about what's going on in the greater Fort Lauderdale area, including talking to some of the really cool folks, the people that are doing creative entrepreneurial work. Sometimes it's businesses, sometimes it's organizations. Today I have, well, let me jump to my banners. Our guest is Nicole Zimmerman with Sensory Mama. And Nicole, you've got a whole story that I've been excited to share. You and I started talking before the holidays, and that was really what was in the back of my mind, that that feeling of overwhelm that so, so many families get. There's just so much going on, uh, and I know this is near and dear to your heart, your budding family. You have two sons, your husband. You've got a lot going on as well in your family. Tell us a little bit about your story, if you would. Um, yeah, so I delivered Julian um, in 2019, and shortly after, probably about 10 months in, I kind of noticed some things were a little different about Julian. Um, and slowly but surely, with enough, you know, doctors getting involved in everything, come to find out he is autistic. And so, you know, we have um, a sensory integrated kind of family, I guess I would say. And trying to handle that overwhelm during the holidays was a lot, uh, as it always is, and um, just in everyday life. So I kind of created Sensory Mama to kind of aid in that um, everyday kind of overwhelm for us as a family. Um, and then I created the classes as well to kind of help those kids that need that outlet, um, but in a sensory integrated friendly environment. So it's a little bit about me. <laughs> I, I think that uh, there's um, a greater awareness you please correct me if I'm wrong about this, but maybe it's just me. <laughs> maybe my <laughs> awareness is slowly expanding, but it seems like folks are paying more attention. They're more aware that the experiences that mm -hmm. they're providing, uh, whatever your organization is, that 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 when your your folks walk through the door, it's not going to be the same experience for everyone. So, particularly, yeah. let, let me be specific. Uh, Museum of Discovery and Science. So we share mod stuff all the time, but they have sensory friendly Sundays, uh, the Broward Center for Performing Arts, same thing. So it seems like folks are are becoming more and more aware that they want to create uh, different types of experiences that will be more welcoming to folks across yeah. the board. Absolutely. And so Sensory Mama was created for that reason. So I used to take him to uh, play classes and he couldn't get through the initial structured aspect of it where they kind of do the circle time for that age range, right? And so it's like, hey, structured, sit down, come with all of these children in a social setting. And for a child with autism, that's very overwhelming, right? Because they have social and communication delays as well as other things. But, you know, that's one of the main parts that, that creates that issue for them. So when he was put in that structured setting to try to do social interactions, it was too overwhelming for him. Um, so what I ended up doing was I created this class where it's really unstructured and I created these products that we use every day during therapy. We've already used my dough jars today and we've used sensory bins. They're using them right now outside my children with therapists and the nanny. Um, you know, it's, it's a constant thing when we're trying to involve sensory integrated therapy into someone's life. So, you know, for instance, you know, with my classes, they come in and they get to sit down and have fun right away. Um, and then eventually at the end, we do more of the kind of structured together, you know, parachutes and bubbles, but it's still free flow. And so, you know, if he's at this indoor playground and he feels overwhelmed, he can step out and go play in the really cool indoor playground for a couple minutes with his therapist and come back in and be a part of it. And I've seen him 
do things I never saw him do at other play classes, actually look at the other kids and smiling and playing and, and enjoying himself and not crying. I mean, one of the play places told me, wow, it's one of the first classes where I could hear through the wall, everyone laughing, everyone having fun. And the moms kept saying, well, does he have to stay in here? Well, no, he doesn't. They can go back out and they can come back in and they can have a good time because the whole purpose is for it to be fun, right? But also social. Um, and I think making sure that that real sensory integrated feeling is, is happening in those situations for all kinds of kids, right? Not just children on the spectrum. There's children that have sensory processing disorder that don't have autism, you know? And I would say too, you know, kind of going back to you talking about mods and stuff, but we did a Disney trip recently and they have great stuff there for kids like that. They have calming centers. They have booths where we can get full access to situations where we may need to step off, right? And, and have help and have a calming situation, which is wonderful that all of these people, like you said, are bringing awareness to the fact that, you know, it's not just a one size fits all in this society and community. We kind of have to try to mold and help and, you know, make it work for everybody, not just one child who's neurotypical, you know? It seems like flexibility is really the key and having the, having the spaces to be able to step out, step in and, mm -hmm the control aspect that each individual who's participating in whatever the activity may be, yeah. can control what's right for them. It's like giving them a volume control, be able to turn it up, turn it down of what uh, to the level exactly. that they're comfortable with. Precisely. And I think it's wonderful too, because in my classes, my son's therapists do come with us. Um, so he'll have an RBT, a BCBA some days, which are, you know, the ABA therapy um, specialists that come with me and that are here right now, currently I'm <laughs> doing therapy with them outside, but um, you know, it's wonderful for people to see what autism really is, right? So to see that he's going to stim and he's going to stim with that ribbon, but the other kids are going to have fun with it. And he loves seeing the other kids playing with ribbons. because, like, wow, other people like ribbons. Like I like ribbons, you know what I mean? And being able to see that, you know, it's not just an easy everyday life, right? I have to have a therapist and I have to have a help come to help with my other son just to do the class. I do the classes really just for my son to socialize and to be able to have the same experience that the children who go to school get to have, which is a Valentine's party, and they get to have a Christmas party. But when you're at home with your kids that are doing ABA, they don't really get those opportunities in the naturalistic setting. So creating Sensory Mama was a passion project just beyond even the social aspect and getting him involved. It was to create an entire community and to, to have it be integrated, right? So talking about inclusion. And so bringing him into those classes with integrated neurotypical children is an amazing experience for everyone because those children get to see an autistic child, right? And he gets to see a neurotypical child and they get, and they smile and they have a good time together. And that's such a special moment to be able to create with these moms. And I could never say thank you enough. Like the moms who come to my classes know that I always start the class telling them about myself and my son and how much it means that they're there to even support that small aspect, you know, it's community. Yeah. I yeah, think, I think I love the, the way you've underlined this. And for folks that, you know, we have some folks that are listening to this, they, mm -hmm. they might not see the screen as we're chatting here. I'll bring it up again. Um, I was showing your um, Instagram feed in the background. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back to the top so folks can make sure they see, recognize the logo. If it's uh, sensory underscore mama on Instagram and a lot of great photos of you uh, with your family and some of the kits in the classes that you've mm -hmm. described. Maybe you can uh, share a little bit about 
uh, what folks will find on your Instagram feed and how they can connect with you there. Because I think that's, you know, a lot of us, myself included, we're trying to understand a little bit more. Um, the, there are opportunities to learn. I, I love the example that you, you know, explaining neurotypical, neurodiverse families mm -hmm. and how they can come together and understand one and one another. So yeah. I, I think that's what's really interesting to me about this. Yeah, so um, soon there'll be even more being posted on my Instagram as well, but you'll see a lot of what I post in my stories will be other autistic uh, families or actual autistic individual individuals that are adults and stuff. And, and I love following them because you get to see the whole entire spectrum, right? From childhood to adult, which is huge as well in the autism community. A lot of times they get forgotten after they're 18, you know? So I focus on technically early intervention kind of techniques and kind of broadcasting that, right? Because my son's three years old, but it's wonderful to be able to see the perspectives of other families. There's a lot of other moms out there that are doing really big things for the autism community by putting their stories out there, right? So it's nice to be able to post those things so that my neurotypical families and moms and, and children, they get to see, um, you know, what is the, some of the pain that goes along with it, but some of the, the wonderful things and some of the things that we don't get to experience as, as parents with special needs children, right? And it's all still beautiful. The neurotypical, the, the you know, the atypical, you know, aspects, it's, it's all a, a, a beautiful world, but we just need to bring it together, which is what really inclusion is about, right? Is, is having everybody integrated together and having a good time and really being accepting of that, whether or not it's the noise stuff or, you know, being able to allow people to have headphones and, or, you know, one day we were at the play place and they started vacuuming. Well, my son's definitely afraid of vacuums. I mean, very, like he can't even see a vacuum without crying. And she immediately turned it off and was so inclusive of us, said, not a problem, I'm so sorry, so understanding, totally got it, put it away, and he was fine. And he got to continue to enjoy his day. But just even that small little moment of somebody giving us that little thing we needed was so important to us as a family, you know, so. I hope that people find, you know, what I'm doing and slowly kind of getting the word out about um, to be important to them as well. I guess that's the goal. <laughs> yeah, an, an openness, uh, understanding and empathy uh, for others yeah. who, who might be seeing and feeling things a little bit different than, than you Precisely. do. Um, so you're, you are also uh, an operating room nurse. This yes. has been your family's <laughs> journey. So we yes. you shared a little bit about Sensory Mama because this has become your, your passion project, part of an extension of what you're doing at, um, as you're with your family. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you could share a little bit about your background, because I, I bet that your, tr your professional training has probably also yeah. informed what you're doing at, mm -hmm. in this passion project. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's, that's what I'll start speaking out about a lot more. And I'm very passionate about it, about the care that these children are not receiving. Um, because of my background, you know, I have my health sciences bachelor's and I went and did an accelerated option nursing program. And then I did a peri-op residency for a year. So to be a nurse in the operating room, you don't just come out of nursing school and walk into the OR. It's a very intense, um, specially trained environment to be in. Um, and, you know, it took a long time for me to get there. And a lot of work went into uh, becoming what I was in the OR. Um, my most recent job was a, a DON of a surgical center. I was managing a outpatient surgery center as a nurse, you know, and um, I had to kind of put all of that on the back burner to be able to come in and take care of my son at the level that they need. And that's, I guess, too, what I'm advocating for is 
you know, I'm a knowledgeable parent in the sense of the medical aspect of it. So when I sit with the neurologist and stuff, they understand that I understand what it is that we're facing, right? But a lot of parents aren't. And that's what I'm advocating for. I'm advocating for those parents who don't know. And so that some of the care they're receiving for their children is not acceptable care. <laughs> and as a nurse from the OR, I mean, I deal in perfection, right? So the OR is a sterile environment. There's no breathing wrong. There's no touching wrong. There's no thinking. Like you have to do everything very structured, very perfect, very organized. And to see the way that some of this system works from an ABA standpoint to, I mean, from speed, just all of it, it, it all needs improvement. It all needs advocacy. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking to me to think of the other children. And that's, I tell my therapist that all the time, because that's really what I'm advocating for. I'm going to ensure that we get the things that we need, right? But that's not fair for the other kids and the other families who, who can't advocate at the same level because they don't have that background, right? And that's really ultimately what I'm fighting for. And that's what my degree and, and my background in my medical, I'm a clinician, right? You know, and I, I advocate for patients who are asleep every day. That's what my job was to do is they're asleep, they're under anesthesia. And so the whole purpose of an OR nurse is really to advocate for the nonverbal patient. And now I'm a mom of a child who's nonverbal autism. So, you know, I do things to a thousand percent. And when I take care of patients in the OR, it's to a thousand. They are my child. They are my grandparent. It gives me chills when I say it, but they are, they are my family, you know, and I consider them like that because that's how you give the best care. You have to be passionate and proactive and really want to be there, not be there for the money, but be there for the purpose of caring for other people. And I think in the autism community, that really hasn't come to light yet. It hasn't really been seen as a, an ultimately long-term um, medical problem that if you don't do the early intervention, you have all these really severe problems that happen throughout the years. So I'm advocating for all those people, right, who don't, not to say that they don't know better, but they're not knowledgeable enough to see that, hey, maybe this isn't being perfectly done the way that it should be done. You know, they think that the right, they're trusting, right? They're saying this is going to be done right but sometimes it's not. And a lot of what's happening in the autism community, particularly with the ABA and the RBTs and a registered behavioral technician is an RBT who works underneath a BCBA, which is um, behavioral certified uh, analyst um, for ABA therapy. And the RBT is the most integral part and they're the least trained. And some of the standards and the things that they changed are really affecting these people's lives and they need to be changed back. That's really the ultimate goal of my whole entire being will be to try to get it changed back so the licensing is correct for these people. Because that was my job to ensure that people that are going into the OR, they're they're doing a good job, right? They're trained in it. They know how to do the specialty that they're there to do. And what I've come across so far <laughs> has been that you have to fight to get like the right person. And that's not fair to all the other families. Because some of them can't fight like that, right? They have to go to work. They have to, I mean, it's it's pretty intense, but it will get done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I um, love the picture that you created for us, which is comparing the um, advocating for someone who cannot speak for themselves in the operating room. And now you're seeing that, yeah. that same dynamic happening with the families. Um, Nicole, in a moment, we're going to come back. I'm going to, I want to ask you, because I know you have some big events coming up 
this uh, end of winter, spring, you know, the next several months. I want to talk about those because I think some folks out there will be excited to hear absolutely uh, what's around the corner. Before we do that, I have to get a quick read in from our sponsor. So our sponsor today is Acton Academy, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, for you guys who know, you know, our podcast here, you know that uh, FF. FTL, so Family Friendly Fort Lauderdale, was incubated by the school. Um, our learners actually are involved. This is essentially a media apprenticeship opportunity. But what I want to share today is about you probably, you might have been seeing the same headlines that I've been reading, which is chat GPT is taking over the world. Uh, AI, artificial intelligence, you know, mm -hmm. everything. In fact, the New York, uh, the biggest uh, school district in the country, New York City Schools, They've actually banned chat GPT. They're afraid that's going to impact uh, cheating on tests. Um, I can I can tell you. So there are a couple of things that all this great technology, we're, we're having a ball with it yeah, <laughs> uh, here yeah. talking about it, testing it, because, uh, you know, while it will be able to to write essays and do things that traditionally might have happened uh, that that students might have been responsible for doing themselves, it will never be able to set goals. It's never going to be able to understand purpose or direction. Right and how to find that calling to change the world, which is what we focus on at Acton Academy. So if you'd like to be part of that bigger discussion, uh, we're actually planning in February, we're gonna have two or three, uh, we're gonna actually have a discussion group with our parents here at Acton cool. and open to others who just wanna talk about what's happening with this new technology, what's the impact in the education space and how can we help equip our young people uh, to prepare for a world that is literally inventing itself <laughs> uh, as we look around. So uh, with that said, uh, let's come back, Nicole. I'd love to, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, if you can share a little bit about the events and also where folks can go to learn a little bit more. We shared the Instagram page, so that's one destination, but I bet there's others that you'd like to clue folks into. Um, yeah, Autism Speaks is a great organization. Um, March 5th, they'll have their uh, walk in West Palm Beach, um, and I will be there for that walk as well. Um, the goal is to have a sensory inclusive uh, tent set up, so it'll be completely free to everybody who comes there. I won't be selling any products. It will just literally be to have a really wonderful sensory experience for these children that will be there that day. It'll also be my first walk. So I'm really, really, really excited about being there and being a part of that organization. Um, coming up in April, uh, Surfers for Autism will be down here finally again. Um, they will be at Deerfield Beach and I will be a part of that as well. Um, that's April 15th. And um, I'm tentatively setting up right now, hopefully a Easter egg hunt that is going to be sensory friendly in Deerfield Beach. Um, so I'll be posting about that as well. Um, that may be with Surfers for Autism. And if not, then I will try to set it up on my own. Um, I'm working with the city right now about that too. So that should be uh, the weekend either of Easter or just prior to it. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, so if you're one of the families out there and you... You want to you want to learn a little bit more. Uh, maybe you've had some of these experiences yourself where you've been out and about. Again, going back to the holidays, I think we all feel <laughs> a little bit yeah. overwhelmed when there's just so much going on. This this world that we live in has become overwhelming at times. Uh, there are tools. There are there is support. There are organizations out there that you can tap into for your family, for your friends. Nicole, wonderful of you to take a little bit of time to share your personal, uh, your family story and uh, yeah. some of the resources with us. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you with our uh, next episode.